Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Women's football, Euro final, England versus Germany, Wembley, sold out stadium, and then to go on and win it. It was just insane. A lot of the chatter afterwards was, I really hope it's not the ACL, I hope it's everything else. I'd worked in the Olympic and Paralympic system for a number of years. No one had ever said the word periods, no one had talked about menstrual cycles. I've totally subscribed to best person for the job, but often the best person for the job could well be female, but society isn't ready for that yet. All I'm saying is that everybody should know how to swim. I can't fathom how you can try and say that that is troublemaking or anything like that. Every time I hear somebody talk about investing in women's sport and talking about it as if it's some sort of donation (laughs) or like charity. (laughs) You're welcome. It's just such a weird way to tell me that you're bad at business. Hello, I'm Sam Quack and welcome to the Telegraph Women's Sport Podcast. We want to discuss important topics in women's sport and in this episode we're talking about motherhood. I'm joined by two people to discuss the realities of being a mother in elite sport and the challenges we face at any level when returning to sport postpartum. Having added gold medals in Rio and Tokyo to the silver that she won in London, Hannah Mills is the most decorated female sailor in Olympic history. She's currently competing for Ben Ainsley's Great Britain team in Sail GP. Hello, Hannah. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. But not too good because I'm mega, mega jealous of where you're actually tuning in from today because you are in Italy. Is that right? I am. I'm currently sat uh, looking over the lake, uh, Lake Garda. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. And I, I presume it's a light breeze and sunny blue skies as well. It's amazing. Yes, yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, and you're in Italy because you're actually um, taking time out to speak to us as well because you are in between training. Is that right? Yeah, we've got a competition here starting in two days time. Awesome. And uh, everything looking good? Uh, well, it's the first time I've actually sailed this boat. So it's quite the learning curve. But yeah, it's going to be amazing. It's such a good place to sail. Oh, well, I'll have to keep an eye out then how you get on after this podcast. Uh, we'll talk about babies and where you're up to. I know you've got gorgeous, Sienna, but we'll uh, delve into that in just a second. Our next guest is Jo Perkins, the head physiotherapist for the Wales women's rugby team. She's previously worked for the Scarlets and the Football Association of Wales and is also a keen runner herself. Hello, Jo. Thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, you're in the not-so-sunny location of <laughs> Cardiff, is that right? That's right, yes. Yeah, <laughs> here in South Wales that's for sure. Uh, thanks so much for joining us and taking time to speak to us and um, so what's summer looking like for you I, pre- I presume your players had any time off? Well yeah we're actually in a quieter period compared to you Hannah we we just come off the back of our Six Nations so um, this is a, a nice period we're, we're looking after some of the injured girls but um, yeah a, a quieter bit of downtime to prepare for um, our autumn campaign then. Awesome. And obviously outside of our work, we have little ones to look after. So we're just going to paint a picture of our, each of our families uh, for our listeners. So I'm going to start first. So I have got a one-year-old and a two-year-old. Uh, my two-year-old is Molly. Uh, she is fabulous. 
She learns fast, I'll say that, and loves to pick up certain phrases from myself and my husband. Uh, all PC, all, ve- all very normal, but just hilarious. Uh, and I've got Zach, who is one. He's a proper little cheeky chappy, and they are one year and nine days apart. So as you can imagine, I've been very busy. So Hannah, I, I said we've got little Sienna from your side. How old is Sienna and when was she born? Yeah, I've got little Sienna. She is eight and a half months now. So she was born in October last year and she's she's very determined, which I don't I just don't know where she gets that from. Um, <laughs> and she she's dragging herself fiercely across the floor at a quickening pace. So yeah, we, we suddenly have to get our wits about us and, and really keep on top of where she is. But I've also I've also got two stepsons as well. Oh fab. So yeah, it's a busy it's a busy household at times. Oh, I can imagine. And is this the longest you've been away from Sienna on, on this camp? It will be. Yeah, I've done one three day, three night trip sort of a month or so ago. And then and then this one's actually eight, seven or eight nights. Um, How are you finding it? Phew, do you know what? I'm quite, it's, it's really hard. I'll be honest. It is really hard. You, you definitely feel like you're missing out or you feel guilty for not being there. But my husband, Nick, is just amazing. And I know she's in the best hands and he sends me so many videos, which really helps me actually. But yeah, it, it's hard for sure. Yeah. And I can imagine it's that balance, isn't it, between pursuing your dream and still wanting to achieve great things. But I think we all do experience that mum girl. Uh, jo, I know you're a mum yourself. What does life look like for you at home? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I have a, a slightly older Sienna. She's only coming up eight and a, a little boy is turning five in a couple of days. So a little bit further ahead than you guys. I probably get a little bit more sleep than you do. It gets easier, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> And how do you find balancing being away with work oh, uh, with the kids? I, I'm nodding away, Hannah, and well, both of you when you're talking about the guilt because yeah, although I'm obviously not an athlete, I'm looking after the athletes. So it is it's a constant juggle, isn't it, of of that mum guilt and it is mum guilt, isn't it? Because, you know, you it's important that we still achieve what makes us us, isn't it? But um you miss them terribly, don't you? And I think it's it's taken me time to certainly navigate my way through, you know, still still achieving in my career and and still, you know, being there and being present as a mum and still learning that for sure. I think it was after six weeks, I went to a baby group and one of the mums said to me, oh, when are you going back to work? And I said, I'm going back actually in, in about six weeks time. They're like, oh, so early. Yeah. And naturally, you know, that guilt comes back on you. Yeah. Hannah, we're going to talk about your Sienna first. So October 2022, you welcomed her. What was the thought process? So going back to family planning uh, alongside your fiancé, Nick Dempsey, who's also an elite athlete. Talk us through the thought process of you wanting to still be Hannah Mills, achieving great things on the water to then becoming this mum. Because, you know, naturally you're thinking, oh, can I, can I not? Yeah, and definitely. So after Tokyo, the Olympics in Tokyo, we sort of sat down and said, "Yeah, this is this is the best time of of there never being a best time to uh, to start a family, or it feeling like there's never a good time anyway." So yeah, we we decided that was the moment. And I just joined the British SailGP team as an athlete on board that, which was like a huge step for me as an athlete, a female athlete in sailing, because. Beyond Olympic sailing, there's there's traditionally not been that much for a female athlete to go and do. And so SailGP and, and their Women's Pathway Programme gave me this huge opportunity to, to carry on my, my sailing career. So I just jumped on board there and it felt like, oh, is this going to be the end of 
of this career and am I going to then have a baby and and then so anyway we we decided it's now we want a family and that's that's what it ultimately came down to so so yeah I, I got pregnant and then spoke with Ben and the team and they were just amazing and I feel so I mean everyone tells me to not say lucky but I do feel lucky that I'm sort of in a place in a in in a country and in a world that's in a place where they were accepting of what I was trying to do having a family and were very welcoming in terms of have the baby be involved with the team as much as you want whilst you're pregnant obviously I couldn't sail on the boat but I could still do loads of other roles within the team on shore and then have the baby have whatever time you need and and come back when you feel ready so yeah in a way I just feel like wow that's that's such a relief lifted off my shoulders of right I can do I can do this and then we can make it work and make a plan as to how to come back afterwards that's amazing. That's, I mean, there's no right time, is there, for anyone? You know, you, you can't put your finger on the button and say, that's the right time for me. But the fact that Sail GP made it a really nice environment where you did have the confidence to say, actually, yeah, we're going we're gonna to try for a baby. It must really help. It, mass- it massively helped, yeah. And like I said, you know, finding those other roles that I could do whilst pregnant, being an athlete, I couldn't compete and be on the boat, but there was so much I could still offer outside of that physically helping me with a plan to come back post baby it was just incredible and then obviously with Cell GP you know we're we're a global circuit and we have sort of 10 to 12 events over the year in all locations around the world and so logistically making it possible for me Sienna and Nick to all come along for me to still breastfeed when I came back competing and have the facility to be able to do that and just yeah just creating that environment I guess where I could still feel like I was being a mum and I could still feel like I was doing what I needed to do to be to be an athlete as well. Yeah, I mean, to have that is it is amazing. Joe, we talk about women and athletes getting pregnant. The fact that um, Hannah's been able to be involved so much in the run-up and during her pregnancy is fantastic. And I remember even speaking to Sarah's story, and she was so open about her training regime that actually she got a bit of backlash from some people thinking, oh, actually, you, you know, you're so irresponsible training while you're pregnant. But actually it's okay isn't it you can as long as it's well planned and there is instruction and support behind it from your point of view how good is exercise for you when you are pregnant and it is doable isn't it oh absolutely I mean there's there's a growing wealth of evidence now saying we we need to be active when we're pregnant and you know in terms of the elite end there should be a, a crew around around women facilitating what's safe and and you know in the majority of cases it is absolutely safe to continue now obviously in a, a contact sport like rugby that isn't doable to to the same level but you know there's always something else you can do and you know I think that's that's important that we're supporting women and breaking that stigma that oh no you should just be sat down and, and resting and you're neglecting yourself you're neglecting your baby you know that's that's categorically wrong and I'd say in an, in an uncomplicated pregnancy exercise is is safe and encouraged and for you you've got a lot of experience postpartum especially through your physio practice what was it that inspired you to help women uh, and people who were coming back after having a baby into sport Sure. It, it was my own experience that at that point when I had Sienna, I was working in men's rugby and, you know, I know it was the elite end of the scale, but even in a, a low level hamstring tear, there would be a really structured progressive rehab process in place that would be tailored around a period of recovery, progressive strength, focus strengthening, returning to impact, returning to running. Yet you have your baby 
and you just said, oh, let's see how it goes in six weeks and crack on. And that's mental, isn't it? You know, and, and things have really changed in, in eight years. There's growing wealth of evidence and there's some brilliant um, return to run guidelines out there now. But, you know, that's that's how it was eight years ago. And you, know, you might see a GP at, at best. And I just it blew my mind. So I was like, look, I am I am going to town on a hamstring strain yet. I've just delivered, I've had big kids, they were 10 and 11 pounds. Um, and Go on, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> it's challenges. And, you know, Natural delivery? Yeah, well, uh, ish. <laughs> and, you know, I'm quite open about it. my own personal challenges. And that was like, no, no, this is not okay. And mm-hmm. I, I went into women's health then and, and have a real passion for supporting women postpartum. I definitely needed to find you, Joe, after I had my baby because I really oh. struggled to, to find anything out there that was kind of what I should do afterwards so there's definitely still a lack of that I'd say yeah massively yeah incredible evidence isn't there you know there's there's mixed messages and still that fear and back to the hamstring if you did nothing for six weeks after a hamstring tear and then went straight back out and run you'd re-tear it yet that's what we're telling women to do post-baby you know it's 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 mad. So um, you know, we've we talk a lot about bridging sports medicine and pelvic health, and for so long they they stood separately because of where the pelvic muscles were. We shouldn't talk about that. That's gynecological when they're just mm. like any other muscle. And you know, we've got to, we've got to talk about them and rehabilitate them. Otherwise, women are just having long long term consequences, or or even worse, not going back to sport. I mean, Hannah, you just said there that you really struggled to find someone, but I mean, you returned to sale GP three months. <laughs> After giving birth, I mean, again, it's it's no easy task. Yeah, well done. Sailing no. and doing, putting all that effort and what you put your body through, having a baby to then go and do what you needed to do to compete. What did you do yeah. in those in those three months? Yeah, it it was it was an unknown for sure. Like you know, I, I had no, I wanted to set a target of of coming back for the sale GP in Singapore in, in January, which was three months after having Sienna. Because like any athlete, I think I like a target and it just helps focus me. But I was always very realistic that if I wasn't ready, then I wasn't ready. And that was also fine. But definitely, you know, I had I had Sienna and then the first couple of weeks, you obviously just you are just recovering and, and trying to just get get into, into some kind of normal, uh, whatever normal looks like after you just had a baby and then slowly start start doing things. But I had to definitely reach out myself to a lot of different people that I'd known from the Olympic world. The EIS were actually really supportive. Um, my old physio was really supportive. And then CLGP, um, their medical team were really supportive. But, you know, I didn't I didn't know that I should be booking in to go and see a sort of post-pregnancy physio just to check. Uh, Joe, you'll know what it is. But the muscles down the middle of your stomach to make sure they're coming back together and just all of those things that you need to make sure are getting to a place where you can start to do more and more exercise before you go and do it because otherwise there's a big risk of, of creating more injury and longer term recovery so yeah that that whole process I kind of felt like I had support but I was reaching out myself and trying to figure it out myself a bit as well and then yeah we just we just set some some markers of what I felt like I needed to be able to do physically to go out to Singapore to then get on the boat to then see how I felt on the boat and you know we had another sailor out there that if I couldn't and didn't feel like I could compete, she was going to step in and, and do the role. So the team facilitated that. And 
you know, we brought Sienna out there. It was our first time traveling with her. And so figuring all of that out and then figuring out breastfeeding in and around sailing. And yeah, there was just so much to, to figure out. But yeah, it was having all the support around me made it possible. Yeah, I think figuring all that stuff out, as I say, as a regular mum, but as a mum who's not traveling the world, competing. I mean, from my point of view, I wanted to get up and about as soon as possible. But I guess you can always have a plan in place when it comes to childbirth. But before you know it, you're in a 48 hour labor, you have an emergency C-section. And like you say, Joe, you're expected to get up and just just crack on without that support. And coming from an elite side of hockey where you have the doctors, the nutritional support the physios and the fixing your body you come out of that and you do just become the again this sounds terrible the regular joe blogs who was having a baby and again that that support's not there i didn't know where to start a year later i have another c-section because of what for whatever reason i'd started to bleed and needed uh, an emergency c-section so all these things go on so in terms of getting back to just me, let alone sports, uh, you know, going for a, a run around the block, Joe, from your point of view, I mean, everything that goes on, natural birth, especially C-sections, the impact of having a baby is huge on the female body, isn't it? Not even to just get back to competing at an elite level. Oh, massive. And it is, again, I think there's pressure to not call them injuries because it's somehow takes us away from loving our babies but they are injuries you know whether mm. whatever birth you have whether it's abdominal or vaginal birth there's varying degrees of of trauma to abdominals and pelvic floor muscles and we just have to respect that process and and like I say treat it like any other like any other injury and not only you're doing that but you're navigating being a new mum as well and you're exhausted and <laughs> might have feeding challenges and whatever else comes with it and and that's in a so-called straightforward recovery amount of women who have you know really profound complications or profound consequences from delivery again are just sort of told to, to get on with it or women aren't speaking up thinking that they're normal so it's yeah it, it's first of all just getting back to daily living before you can consider pushing on to to sport and being an elite athlete again isn't it so, so when Hannah's going back and she's thinking, right, three months, let's get cracking to competing on the elite stage. From your point of view, Joe, what are the main things, well, and Hannah probably as well, what are the main things that you had to focus on to get yourself back to that level of actually being able to function physically like you did pre-baby? So, Joe, from your point of view, what would you say was the most or the biggest physical challenge that you might face? Well, I mean... Yeah, in terms of yeah physical recovery, certainly what we call pelvic floor dysfunction from incontinence to prolapse symptoms. So that, that can be sort of heaviness down below, feeling like a dragging sensation or a pressure vaginally. Diastasis, which, you know, Hannah was talking about. So abdominal prolonged kind of separation of the abdominals, pelvic pain. So these, these are all kind of signs that actually the, the body isn't tolerating the load that we're putting on it. So, you know, they're certainly the in the initial stages, things that we, we need to, to work on. And that is through progressive pelvic floor training, graded abdominal loading. So not just jumping straight into your, your planks and those kind of exercises, but building in progressively, starting with walking before we do non-impact exercise and, and progressing on from there. Because certainly those symptoms of pelvic floor dysfunction can progress on and will certainly have an impact when you're returning to sport. And Hannah, what was the biggest thing you found physically the most challenging coming back to sport? 
Yeah, I think I think just the confidence in your body as it does start to recover and, and how hard or not hard you should push because obviously there's there's all of the things that can go wrong and, and it's you know it's a big internal wound essentially that you're not quite sure how it's healing or recovering and I, I had a c-section as well and so you've got the physical scar but inside you, you have no idea what's going on really so getting checked by the the women's health physio um, to make sure that the abs were coming back together okay and so progressively then doing all the pelvic floor stuff and slowly building in the core initially in the first well after sort of three or four weeks I think I started doing very gentle things because the physio said that was in a good place and then after six weeks just really slowly started doing a bit more I was super conscious not to push it because I'd heard sort of bad stories and other people's experiences of pushing too hard and I think that's that is quite a a big thing is is to make sure you really are giving yourself the time to recover and I'm really lucky with with the role I do on cell GP it's it's not that physical compared to the Olympic sailing that I was doing it's more of a sort of strategist type role on the boat which means I I basically tell people where, where to go so so physically you know I just needed to be robust and and we put markers in place for that but you know, the other thing I had to consider was, you know, when you're still breastfeeding, and Joe will know tons more about this and probably you some as well, but when you're still breastfeeding, all I think all your ligaments are still quite stretchy and the boats we sail, there's a high chance of ankle rolling or knee twisting. And so thinking about precautions for that, because I was, you know, able to breastfeed and wanted to carry on breastfeeding. So, you know, we made sure we were strapping my ankles properly and strapping my knees properly just to give me that extra support, just to make sure that I wasn't wasn't going to or unlikely to do any damage while on the boat yeah we uh, it's fascinating you said that about strapping ankles and and making sure that you are stable in those departments should we say we actually spoke about the impact of hormones on acl injuries with dr emma ross and it is it's one of those things you have to think about joe isn't it when you are breastfeeding or you are pregnant it it does have an impact on how your body may function when it comes to stability yeah yeah absolutely and yeah that's where we just advocate as much strength work as possible pregnancy is the time to be at our our strongest to support that that increasing laxity and you know women we're we're more at risk of your acls we're more at risk of ankle ligament injuries than the men anyway so yeah it certainly is you know you feel at a more vulnerable time and it's the time yeah to get Mm. at our strongest for sure yeah it's fascinating as well i think we had an example of helen glover uh breaking a rib and she thinks it was down to breastfeeding because it was an iron deficiency. So again, it's just all these different things that you do have to take into consideration when you are returning to sport. Oh yeah, yeah, massively, and particularly, um, you know, if you're if you're breastfeeding, periods might not have returned, and periods are a great indicator for for us as women that we're we're getting enough energy in, we're um, you know, your body's coping with what we're asking of it. So if if they're not there anyway you're breastfeeding you're pushing your body a little bit we we can be more susceptible to injuries so it's yeah just making sure it's it's progressive and you're extra hydrated and getting enough energy intake that matches what what you're expelling as well for you hannah you you have come back after having a baby but i've got to ask when you were planning on getting pregnant after Tokyo, was there anything going through your mind in terms of of worry or did you ever want to get pregnant before then, but you felt that you couldn't because the return to sport might be a little bit more difficult? 
both physically, but also from a funding perspective. We've seen a lot of governing bodies coming forward and actually putting maternity policies in place. I mean, it was only 2020 that a Telegraph report highlighted inadequate maternity policies. Did anything like that ever cross your mind, Hannah? I mean, to be honest, not not really, because I was always planning on stopping Olympic sailing after Tokyo. I wasn't in the right place after Rio. But then obviously with the delayed year of the Olympic Games, then it was, you know, as, as a female athlete who's, you know, in her in her early 30s, there's there's always a concern of if you wait too long, then you might have missed the chance. You just you just don't know. And and so I just had a slight sort of, oh, should I should I should I just get pregnant yeah so there was there was a a bit of a sort of challenge there with mentally what's the right thing in terms of the postponement and and adding an extra year but but no I was never in the right place whilst Olympic sailing to want to do that but then obviously afterwards with a new career opportunity it 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 definitely played on my mind of am I just going to miss my chance here to to jump in with CLGP if, if I go and have a baby yeah, it's, it's something really we shouldn't really have to worry about. But I guess even being an athlete, you, you really do. I remember thinking when I was in the squad, having a boyfriend at the time, thinking, oh, God, if I got pregnant, I wouldn't be able to go to the Olympics. I would never be able to carry on my international career. Uh, and that thought process came about because actually in Australia and New Zealand, it was you know, the first time in the sport that you saw athletes go away, have a baby and come back and still compete to that level that they before they had a baby. So it is really good to see now that actually things are in place for athletes who might want to have a baby or do get pregnant who then return to the sport. I know that the RFU announced a maternity policy earlier on this year and it was basically that six months full pay and if they return to the squad within 12 months of giving birth that they can bring their baby to camp with a secondary caregiver to assist. So something in place there for the Red Roses. Joe, what do you make of that? That's, you know, something positive. Brilliant, isn't it? It is brilliant because it's... You know, it's it's not just the doing the exercises, it's everything that comes with, with motherhood as well. So I think we need to be flexible in saying that we might need to adapt training times or venues, particularly in those first few months for if an athlete is pushing and wants to come back as soon as possible. We've got we've got to be flexible as medical and performance teams around yet yeah, around everything. It might be that this is when nap times are or that day's not gonna happen because I've you know, been up for twelve hours. We've gotta be We've got to be adaptable, and that might not be the case for the for the whole time. But certainly, we we've got to be supportive. But yeah, it's it's a they've they've made a big stand there. It's brilliant. Yeah, and I guess it was Abby Ward, wasn't it? She described the moment that she found out that she was pregnant was one of shock and excitement. Yeah. So I guess she was the guinea pig for this coming into place. But I suppose for all sports, they need... This sounds terrible because there shouldn't be a reason to put something like this in place. But actually, it's not until athletes raise their head or their hand and actually say, oh, hang on a minute, because it's something that we have only seen in the last few years that these maternity policies have been have been put in place. I mean, I can... I think the UK sport one. So Hannah, if we were, you know, still competing, funded from UK sport, uh, it was only in November 2021 that they actually came up with theirs. And it was athletes would get their full APA, so their athlete performance award. So basically an income throughout pregnancy and nine months after giving birth. So it's really positive that these things are getting talked about and put in place. As always, they can always be better. But Joe, what about for Welsh rugby? 
Is this something that we might see in, in, in the short term? I mean, is there anything being spoken about currently? Yeah, no, it is. It massively is. And when I first came, there was there was one of the players and it was, you know, eight, nine years ago, she returned to rugby at, at seven weeks, which I'm sure blows everyone's mind who's listened to it and she because there was just no advice for her no support for her and, um you know she was playing a community game at the time but um there's so there's so many athletes who are speaking out in in really good credible research now saying that not only was there not enough financial support but my medical team weren't equipped with the knowledge to support me I felt the pressure I felt like I couldn't talk about it so you know our policies need to reflect reflect all of that and the, the problem with with a lot of sports is that elite doesn't necessarily mean professional still does it and I've worked for the WU who are you know been really forward uh, you know in pushing our players to be professional but there's USA Canada who some of the best players in the world but are still full-time working then trying to navigate motherhood and their own athletic identity you know that's that's a huge challenge and that's that just adds a whole nother dimension but you know we should be as a minimum supporting rehabilitation physically and mentally I think that's that's a, a massive part of it as well you know the, the amount of women who are struggling postpartum depression pressure things going on behind the scenes we we have to do better and policies I say as a minimum should be supportive through pregnancy and the whole postpartum period which is you know up to two years really yeah absolutely I mean Hannah from your point of view have you been in touch with any athletes who have had children and then come back to sport yeah, I I have, and 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 just going back to what you guys were just chatting about, I just think like I sort of look at it now, and I just think if if you really value someone as an athlete or or whoever in your organisation, I just don't like why wouldn't you do everything you can to support them to retain them within your sport or your organisation? Like it just seems crazy that you're willing to kind of let talent just disappear so that yeah that's one thing but then yeah I have been in touch with a few different athletes I'm part of a EIS pregnancy or post-pregnancy as well group with different athletes they're kind of sharing their experiences and I had a few messages actually with Eleanor Barker who the, the cyclist who's, who's come back to to be cycling again and, and doing incredibly well and she had a baby maybe six months before me and um, she gave me some, some some great advice but the one thing I really remember was and and in hindsight or looking back I'm so glad she said it and it was just that there's nothing really to do with this conversation but it was that you know those first four months of having a baby just like enjoy all those cuddles and when they fall asleep on you let them fall asleep on you and don't fret about putting them down and getting them into a routine and panicking about all that stuff because suddenly those cuddles aren't there and they don't fall asleep on you as much and so just enjoy all of those moments and actually I'm so glad she said that to me because before she said that I was definitely in a bit of a mindset of oh I need to get her into a routine so I can crack on and and get back physically and all of that stuff but I'm so glad um, she said that and and I did just enjoy that. That's really nice so the EIS post-pregnancy group is this something official so for the listeners who don't know what EIS is this is the English Institute of Sport which basically supports Olympic athletes and more often used through injury, I guess. So is this a official WhatsApp group? Is it been organised by the EIS or is this something where you all said, right, let's all let's all get in a group and support each other? Where, where did it start? 
I'm not too sure to be honest. I, I just I wasn't even on the program when I got added. I'd, I'd finished my Olympic career, but um, it just got so sort of highlighted that there was this group that had been set up. Um, uh, whether it came from an athlete being like, "Oh, we should create a group," and then the EIS facilitating, I'm not sure. But I got added just as I sort of was having Sienna, so a little bit late. But yeah, it's been really really cool to to hear about other athletes' experiences. That's for sure. Yeah, that's amazing because we have all these groups, don't we? Baby massage and sensory play. But I guess if you're coming from an elite athlete point of view and you are returning back to the sport, that that emotional support, I guess, even more so than the physical sport, must be so key. Joe, do you find that as well? Do you you can you can do the physical side, but actually the emotional that you talked about, the postpartum depression, can actually be just as influential when it comes back to returning to sport. Massively, I think from the birth itself we all know that's traumatic whatever whatever mode that is you know and that that in itself can have massive implications but i probably going back to what we said at the first just being uh, being around like-minded people who who get you and get that I didn't want to be there making my own baby food and craft is still a challenge <laughs> you know now doing that's all right because I do a lot of other really good stuff so being around people who, who understand that this is your your ambition your aspiration it's your job and you know, can support you and giving you tips. That's it's absolutely massive, and that is paramount for your mental health, whatever level you're at or whoever you are. So, yeah, it's 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 massive. Yeah, it's fascinating because you always get the onlookers, you always get the people who judge. I mean, <laughs> you get the people who say, "What you're going back to elite sport? Where who's going to look after the baby? Who, why are you going to oh, do that? Man. How are you going to feed them when they need feeding at this time? And you're on the on the water or the pitch. How have you managed that? Obviously, you've surrounded yeah. yourself in this WhatsApp group, but naturally. I mean, if it doesn't come from ourselves, it comes from someone else, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm incredibly lucky that my uh, fiance, I keep calling my husband because I feel like we're married, but <laughs> my fiance, Nick. Hannah, my, my, when I first got engaged, my husband said, this is my, f-, and couldn't say fiance and said friend. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable, that, isn't it? Unbelievable. So, <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least you haven't said friend instead of fiance. <laughs> But yeah, sorry yeah, to exactly. interrupt. <laughs> yeah, well, you're absolutely right. I just feel weird saying fiance. Um, anyway, Nick. Congratulations, um, by the way. Yeah, thank you. So he was an Olympic windsurfing coaching. He was coaching the British squad. And up until December, so we had Sienna in October, and up until December, we were kind of both planning to kind of carry on uh, with our careers and you know, get some support from parents and maybe outside support as well to make it all work. And I remember just sitting down and putting our calendar together and fitting everything in. And I just looked at it and I think I burst into tears because it was just the worst wow. thing I've ever seen in my life. It's just like, we're never going to see each other, let alone see Sienna. So we we just took a step back and we were lucky enough to be in a position where Nick could, Nick could actually step back and, and take a break from what he was doing to basically support what I was doing, which then just suddenly we looked at the calendar having taken all his stuff out and it was just looked like the most amazing year that we could build together and, and you know do as much as we could together and for Sienna to come with me to, to all the Sir GP events and just be a family and so yeah I guess he he's taken you know proper paternity leave uh, so to speak to support me which which is unbelievably amazing. Yeah, extremely lucky to have someone like that in your camp. What about from your point of view, Joe? You see things from a point of view where you are in and amongst it with current elite athletes. You're a mum yourself. Is there anything that you look look upon and think, oh, I wish I, they had that when I was around? 
albeit not from an elite sport point of view, but from a very like working mum point of view. The things that you think that that needs to be that needs to be essential when it comes to performing at the at the top, whether it's in work or, or sport. Oh, do you know what? I was, I'm in the process of writing some return to rugby guidelines with World Rugby and so doing a lot of reading around the topics, a lot of elite experience. And there's one really nice line going, it takes a village and that's okay. Mm. And I, I feel so strongly about that because I love that. Oh, uh, it's so yeah. it's so true, isn't it? Because you, you we take it on and go, oh, I should do that, I should do that. And we had the World Cup, so I was away from the kids for six weeks and again had a lot of that, oh my god, I can't believe you're doing that, you know. My kids had the best time and I know they miss me and I miss them, but we put on loads of good stuff for them. They saw their grandparents, they went on trips and and I came back and had a couple of months where I was home every day. I did the store pickups every day and everyone was okay and I think that's the big message. Plan ahead. Don't get me wrong. I bought them like a present for every single day I was away and bankrupt by the end of it because that's your mum guilt, isn't it? But I wish that, yeah, the start of, of coming back in and, and being away and working, just rely on, you know, it's your village. It's not just on you and and that they will be okay and they're happy. And if you're happy, they're happy. And that that is so true. Take the pressure away. And if there's the people who are judging Maybe they're not in your village at the minute. They might come back in at a later date, but right now they're maybe not there. That's such a good point. I mean, six weeks as well. Uh, again, it, it always comes back to the mum guilt. Yeah. What 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 bits of advice then would you give to Hannah? If Hannah, I don't know whether you're ever going to be away for six weeks or even you know six days for some feels like six weeks. Is there any advice you'd give to Hannah about how to manage that situation? I guess if the if the child's a bit younger. Well, yeah, and I think that there's pros and cons of them being younger, isn't it? Because they can't, they can't tell you they, they miss you and they're sad they make you ill, can they? But you feel that, it, it literally does feel like a pull, doesn't it? And, you know, just, just as, like you say, all you're getting, lots of the videos, they're, you know, and don't get them sending the ones where you're crying. <laughs> just lots of happy ones and, and just lots of, yeah, lots of reassurance and FaceTimes and, just focus on what you're doing because you're there because it's part of you and throw yourself into it. Otherwise, it's not worth doing it, is it? So in, enjoy it because six weeks out of their lifetime is is nothing, is it? And they're going to be, I mean, what you're achieving is just incredible. And there'll be an age where they can tell you that and that will be I mean, my kids think I play for Wales, even though I don't know the misery. Take it, take it. Oh, mum, you're amazing. And when you get that and they're proud of you, oh, it's... It's amazing. You will have that at some point, Hannah, and you're just paving the way for for the little Siennas of the world. It's brilliant. You're so right, Joe. So many people are looking, I guess, you and you as a mum and Hannah as a mum and hopefully me as role models, people who can still achieve great things whilst trying to raise children and be that mum, be that that doting mum. How important was it for you to retain that identity you know, of Joe, who works hard and be that role model for your kids? Oh, you know, it was massively important. And again, it took, took me a while to, to get to that point, to, to be at ease with it. But, you know, that's that's who you were first. And, and equally, it's okay, you know, to go the other way. And, and so, actually, you know, work with athletes before and go, do you know, I, I don't want to return or yeah. I, I thought this was what I wanted, but actually I don't. And you speak to them and they feel just as much guilt because they haven't gone back to it. You know, so like you said, you can't win either way. But I think it's just being being true to yourself, isn't it? And, and actually, you know, this is this is what I want. And my husband knew who I was when he married me and we had kids. So, you know, again, like you guys, so supportive and done this is 
this is brilliant. You're going to New Zealand. We'll be fine. Don't stress. And trust in, trust in who's around you and being true to yourself because it's part of who, who we are and what makes you happy. And that inevitably makes you a, a better mum as well, doesn't it? Yeah, completely. And I must let you say to have a partner who understands who you are, what you're about, what you want to achieve and supports you in that is huge. Um, my husband, Tom, is literally in my opinion the best husband the best dad in that in that respect I, I i suffer massively from mum guilt all the time but i have to go back and i always think i'm the best version of me when i'm busy and i enjoy what i'm doing outside of being a mum and there was a two three week block i think around christmas time where i was extremely quiet with work because everything kind of you know goes a bit quiet and not that i didn't love my kids anymore i just found i was much happier and I was yeah. a happier, more energetic mum and gave my all. Not, I mean, I always tried to give my all, yeah. but I was happier and more refreshed when I was me away from the house, doing what I love, meeting totally. new people, speaking to people to then come back and be the best version of a wife and a mum, I guess. But I thought, well, if you, it's, it's, it's like you say, it's it's being true to yourself. It is, isn't it? And I, and I think just even just being open about these sorts of, discussions isn't it and again it'll break like so many things in, in female health that breaks the stigma and I went back to work with Sienna at six months and then my husband had three months paternity and you know that was that was the best he loves it that was the best three months of his life and and you know paternity policies should should be better for men so it, it allows it, it can make life easier for us to make decisions as well so some amazing advice there from Joe but for you Hannah how important is it for you to retain the identity of Hannah Mills, the successful athlete achieving great things and also be a role model for not only your kids, but other kids and people who are also looking to achieve a great things. Yeah, it's, it's really important to me, actually, because I feel like in the UK anyway, for females and female athletes, we're in, it feels like a tipping point almost of momentum and progression with what we can do and what we can achieve and slowly gaining support and, you know, whether it's commercial or support from our federations or whatever it is to, to be, to be athletes and be more than athletes, whether it's mums or, or whatever else it is. And so I, I do feel like we have this like opportunity and responsibility that we can, with the right support, do more than we think we can when it comes to particularly starting a family and, and I feel really excited by that and I definitely feel like if we can break through this this sort of barrier that's slowly being broken down then for our kids it'll be completely different and that that is so exciting. Yeah completely agree completely agree it would be so different like you say hopefully our children at this point in their life all their experience the mum guilt will have found their journey a lot more easier and guilt-free I mean you're both fantastic women and no doubt fantastic mums as well achieving great things I just want to say a huge huge thank you and big love to the kids thank you likewise thanks guys it's been awesome I'm Sam Quirk, and you've been listening to the Telegraph's Women's Sport podcast. The producer is Shira Kilgallen. Executive producers are Louisa Wells and Sarah Mockford. For more women's sport content on the Telegraph, head to telegraph.co.uk forward slash women's dash sport. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.